Support for Think Humanities is brought to you by the Spalding University School of Creative and Professional Writing. Think Humanities, a podcast for people who love history, philosophy, culture, literature, civic dialogue, and the arts. Think Humanities, from Kentucky Humanities, where we have been telling Kentucky's story for 49 years. Here's your host, Bill Goodman. I was here today on the podcast with Marjorie Guyon and Marshall Fields. Many of you in central Kentucky and in the Lexington area might be familiar with a project that has uh, occurred in uh, downtown Lexington for the last couple of years, but there's much more to the story now and much more to where that story is going. So I'm going to turn it over to artist Marjorie Guyon and let her uh, start at the beginning. Marjorie. Thank you, Bill. We're so happy to be here. Appreciative. Um, This is what happened. It was the night of November 9th, 2016, and I had spent most of the night talking with my daughter about America. The next day, the mother of a little boy um, who came up to my studio and she said, I'm frightened about our country. And um, I said, don't be frightened. We'll do something to shift the spirit of the country. And, And she said, what will we do? And I said, I don't know. And so um, she kept coming up to the studio and we kept talking and my studio overlooks Cheapside, which is the largest site of auction for enslaved people west of the Alleghenies. I was looking over her shoulder and all of a sudden I had a vision of an African mother and child. And I said to her, I just had this vision. And she said, let's do it. And so she brought her little boy up to the studio and um, I did a series of photographs, a photo shoot of mother and child, just exactly as I envisioned them. And um, a couple of weeks later, I started playing with the photos and I sent them to Nikki Finney, uh, who taught for many years at the university. And she said, it shouldn't only be mothers and children, it should be the scope of humanity. And so I met Patrick Mitchell, who's an amazing photographer, actor, director, and um, he came up to the studio and I said, will you help me with this? And he said, yes, I had this whole speech prepared for him. And <laughs> like, like 20 seconds in, he went, okay, you can stop, I'm in. I'm like, really? I had this whole thing prepared? And he's like, no, I'm in. So he said, who do you want to be the to be these models that will be um, emblematic ancestor spirit portraits. And I said, I don't know. I just know that I want them to be beautiful, powerful, holy, and dignified. And he and I went and walked around Walmart looking at people. And then we sat at Starbucks and went through his Facebook and picked out, uh, we had auditions at the studio. So that is basically how it began. Well, tell me a little bit more about uh, Patrick, because uh, I've heard you tell the story, too, uh, that you you didn't know him. Um, You followed (laughs) him or you stalked him. (laughs) Well, he says I stalked him, but I was just he was at the Martin Luther King Day. Uh, He was photographing 
And what I was trying to figure out, I was trying to get a sense of him. So, of course, I was looking at him and he was walking and I was walking, too. So he said that he felt these eyes boring into him. But that was just me trying to figure out, like, can I talk with him? Can I work? You know, the way you're trying to get a sense of somebody. So anyway, um, that so anyway, that's what happened. I didn't I did not stalk him. <laughs> <laughs> when did you and uh, maybe Nikki uh, began to talk about uh, spirit portraits and the the 21 that ended up being uh, surrounding uh, Cheapside and the area outside of the old courthouse? It was probably two months, like probably the way, way, way beginning of 2017. Um, and it had to be before whenever Martin Luther King Day is, because by that point, I knew that it had to be more than mother and child. So um, somewhere like maybe, maybe like December of 2016, she and I started talking. Yeah. And, and spirit portraits can be defined as what? Well, um, okay, so we have all these places, just let's say in Lexington, where like people were, and there is no mark of them. There's like a sign that says something happens. But the fact is, is that at least I can feel spirits. I'm not telling you I'm like a ghost person or anything. It's just like, as soon as, <laughs> don't laugh at me, but... Um, the presence of the people are still there. And um, I've, I have worked in that space for like 30 years. And um, I think I needed all that time working on that second floor, looking out over that square to understand. Um, remember, I'm not totally a normal person. Like as an artist, you're feeling for stuff that other people are not feeling for. And it took this woman coming up to the studio and talking to me about this to crystallize it. And all of a sudden it's like in a minute, I saw the whole project and it was like, honestly, like they had been waiting to talk to me for a long time. So anyway, so, so ancestor spirit portraits, it's like you go to any like small history museum, you go to like most people's houses and they have photographs, but paintings of their ancestors. We are lacking that in America. And so the idea was, um, and I don't know, I mean, I just had this whole idea that there should be an emblematic, emblematic set of ancestor spirit portraits, father, mother, sister, brother, husband, wife, grandmother, elder, younger, um, and that those should be really like, 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 appearing all across the country to understand how this um, the contribution that enslaved people brought to America. And, you know, we have all of this and Marshall can talk about this just incredibly well, but this um, visual for an invisible history. Yeah. Marshall, uh, tell us a, a little bit about yourself, uh, your background, and how you got involved in this project. Absolutely. So, and I'll try to stick to that order, but I was born and bred in Lexington, Kentucky. 
um, you know, I, I, my professional career started off as electronic engineering, which I do nothing like that now, <laughs> but it helps at the, the logical groundwork for putting together thoughts and concepts. And, you know, through being involved in um, the cellular industry back when people actually installed cell phones into vehicles, uh, which now you just collect, connect with a Bluetooth, um, I got into customer service, then I became a facilitator, then I became an instructional designer, and then I became a um, you know professional professional life coach. And through all of those transitions, it has revolved around this one thing, which is brokering communication. You know, so ultimately I'm a communication broker. And so I also love the theater. And that's how I got into the project because I had been in a play with Patrick Mitchell. And so during their audition process, I, I got this phone call and I was like, hey, what's up, Patrick? He said, hey, nothing much. Uh, you know, I think there's something that you might be interested in. And I was like, okay, okay. Because, you know, when you are in the realm of theater, oftentimes you end up doing many performances that are for free. And so I was like, okay, I don't know if I have time to do anything, get involved with. And But something spoke to me about it. He said, I really think, I could hear it in his voice. I really think you're going to be interested in this. And so I came down to the studio. And shortly after being there and hearing just a, a smattering of what the project was going to be about, I knew that I was going to be all in. And so... I was initially one of the models that were used in the ancestor spirit uh, uh, portraits. And so from that understanding what this project is really going to do, the instructional design part of my mind said, man, you have got to be a part of this. And one of the reasons why is it is tackling concepts that have long went under or misrepresented in America. And so the opportunity to be involved with a project that's going to create a gateway for conversations that help guide those folks that kind of want to talk about something or feel the need and feel the, the passion, but they just don't know how or they feel too uncomfortable. So just to take a step back, when you think about instructional design and learning development and all of these things that I'm about to say, I think most of us will know, when you have fear guilt, doubt, shame, anger. These are horrible environments to learn within. And so as we're starting to talk about this topic of, you know, the African diaspora within America, um, the enslavement of human beings, and then beyond that, the lack of a shared citizenship, these are not easy topics. But there is this magical thing that happens with how the project has evolved that makes it okay to have these conversations, to bridge that gap that divides many citizens that have lived the tale of two Americas. Uh, fascinating. Do you remember one or two particular uh, items or um, statements or something that you saw or something that Marjorie might have said to you or or Patrick or something that you read that Nikki had written that uh, 
triggered, as you said, automatically, I've got to be, this, this is something I want to do. Uh, sure. So uh, bef before I tell the, the story or, or that thing, I have had several conversations over the years with friends that range from every single topic. And one of them is ancestry. And so when I have been in a conversation, I'll take a friend of mine who's a Scotsman, for example, and he was talking about the pattern that was on a kilt that had been handed down through his family lineage. And he went back, I think, maybe four or five hundred years. And I was just enthralled. I was listening. I was like, man, that's really cool. And so there's this natural transition in every conversation where, OK, you shared yours. Now I'll share mine. And. I could only go back two generations. And so that was a, a huge catalyst in the back of my head for this gap in American history. And many times, you know, we might say African-American history, but it's the history of America. Fast forward to when I'm being, um, you know, I become involved in this project just as a model at this point. And Patrick is really good about pulling a performance out. And so in this, it's not so much speaking, but it's just posing or, or facial expressions. And one of the things that stuck out to me that I remember to this day, he asked me if you were your great, great, great grandfather looking through a window into the future at you, Marshall, right now, what expression would you have on your face? And that just stuck out to me so much because imagining the conditions that my great, great, great grandfather would have been living in and then to see me now and see some of the opportunity, the influence um, and, and different freedoms that we are blessed with. I was translating several different facial expressions, uh, one of pride, one of uh, dignity, and then also of, of hope. And then I also thought about, you know, some of the bitterness that one might feel as they reflect on things that are hopeful, but then also your current situation. And so that definitely uh, sticks out to me. I would say another thing that stuck out to me uh, to this day is the fact that every piece of art that I've ever seen that has been beautiful and awesome and glorious has had a signature on it. And in this project, none of the pieces of art were signed. Instead, they were thumbprinted by each of the models that are in the art, as well as the photographer, uh, one of the poets, and, um, and Marjorie. Marjorie, um, we're going to get to a, an event coming up um, in Lexington that you're very proud of and, and, and um, want to be a big su success, but we're, going to do that in a, in a few moments. If you are describing in just a few words, um, what is this project to you? Is it, it's, it's your art, it's your vision, it's history, it's humanity. 
we can go on and on with descriptive words of uh, all sorts. So what, what is it to you? Well, personally, to me, it's really a culmination of my life's work. Um, so that so that's what it is to me. It's like all the different parts and pieces, all the different things that I've done, like on and on and on. It's like this is I feel like this is what I was prepped for to take this like what really God given but incredible visual skill, this ability to synthesize ideas. I'm a collage artist. What does that mean? It means I'm constantly synthesizing things. So I'm able to synthesize in this project, history, image, language, there's latitude and longitude woven throughout the project. So geography, and I understand having lived in, like in terms of hierarchy, a very fancy exhibition world that most people do not get a chance to see on a daily basis, this kind of art. And so one of the, the, the foundational ideas of it was to take this kind of like very sophisticated synthesized thinking and put it on the street. And so that it could be used for like walking tours for children and see we're doing that. Um, and that it could be in, in um, public places like for just example, Cheapside or Henry Tandy, like wherever they have Thursday Night Live. A lot of the people that are going there are not people that are going to be accustomed to like going to museums and look at stuff. You know, there's like beer people and the, there's art people. And OK, so the idea was to take this understanding of this brokenness in citizenship in America and, and make it so beautiful that people would want to start to look at it and talk about it. So, so that's one part of it. The other part of it is, um, well, I could just go on and on. I'm not sure what you asked. Yeah, so. Yeah. No, <laughs> no. Well, well, don't don't you think part of it is education too? A hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, and, and it's education, like we're working with this summer, SCAPA is, um, we're working with four teachers from SCAPA to create a, a template. And we work with Dixie to create a template. So yes, the education part, but it's not only for children. I mean, today I was on the phone with SCAPA teachers and I said, in the end, think about this project as a guide to a shared citizenship. That this wound that has been created to heal it, we have to understand that we must create a shared citizenship. I mean, everybody says slavery's over, slavery's over. Well, the fact is the wound that slavery created is not over. It's like in the movies that are scary where you have to kill the villain four times. Like we have not, we have not eliminated that. It's still here. And we see evidence of it every day. So the idea that we could use art as a muscular force, and we haven't even told you yet about um, the soundscape that goes with the project and uh, other yeah. different things. So, well, let's let's do that. Let's talk about the soundscape. But um, uh, we're going to take a, a real quick break to hear from our uh, great underwriter, Spalding University, and then we'll come back on the other side and talk more with Marjorie Guyon and Marshall Fields about I Was Here. At Spalding University's School of Creative and Professional Writing, students develop mastery of the writing skills, highly prized in today's workplace, including arts and humanities organizations, government agencies, corporations, and small businesses. 
a professional writing student will explore opportunities writing for trade and consumer media, including reviews, profiles, interviews, and articles for sports, food, travel, health and science, and other publications. Learn more at spalding.edu slash schoolofwriting or email schoolofwriting at spalding.edu. We're talking with Marjorie Guyon and Marshall Fields uh, on the podcast today about the uh, project I was here and something that has been in uh, the Lexington downtown area at Cheapside for uh, several months, uh, even uh, surviving COVID. Uh, but uh, something else is coming up, uh, Marjorie. Why don't you fill us in on, on what's happening uh, the latter part of June? Well, um, we're very excited that the Lexington Legends Ballpark has invited the project to launch at their stadium on June 26th. And um, Marshall, do you want to talk a little bit about it? Uh, sure, absolutely. And so um, there will be aspects of the project there in addition to some of the ancestor spirit portraits uh, being installed, there will also be aspects of augmented reality that will be there for the um, attendees of the event to participate with. And so one of, one of the key aspects of this project has been to take both the educational uh, standpoint of it, whether it be from a historical uh, standpoint, but then also the desire to help encourage and increase the concept of a shared humanity, you know, helping to change the American commemorative landscape. And what could be a more bigger part of the commemorative landscape than sports, than baseball? You know, it's, you know, it's as, as American as apple pie. And so we're thrilled to be involved there. There'll be some, you know, aspects of the project on the Jumbotron and, and things of that nature. So it should be an incredibly fun time. So and, yeah, go ahead, just Marjorie. pop in on this. Um, something that we're also incredibly excited about is, you know, that UK has one of the best schools of opera probably in the world. And um, Michael Priestley, who is now Dr. Michael Priestley, um, has put together a choir and they are going to sing my country tis of thee integrated with lift every voice and sing. In other words, American anthem and African-American anthem as the national anthem for the game. And which is just, it, it's, it's a vocal um, example of what the project is talking about. And um, at the same time on June 26th, the walking tour of downtown Lexington will launch as well. And in that walking tour will be Michael Priestley's uh, soundscape, which will accompany people. And it's just, it's, it's a model for other cities. Um, when you consider what Lexington downtown is, which like we've had all this historical research on it and Cheapside is just one part of what is just, uh, downtown was like a Walmart, a department store for buying and selling people. And that history is not, it to, so to have these spirit figures appearing and disappearing is, it'll be powerful. Marjorie, uh, on a podcast, sometimes it's difficult to 
paint a picture, but I'm going to ask you, if you will, for our listeners who haven't seen what these uh, spirit uh, portraits, uh, how they're imagined, how they're created. Um, They can also go to your website, I was here, and see them. Uh, But if they don't want to do that, how do you describe not only emotionally and intellectually what you've done, but visually what you've tried to take to to paper, but but you've put them into how, how large are they? Just describe them for us. Okay, so the so the original pieces, um, we're not really talking about those. What we're talking about um, are tapestries that are recreations of the original pieces. And the tapestries are very neat because you can see them from both sides. And a great place to go and see them is the old courthouse. Visit Lex has been a wonderful supporter of the project. And on every face of the courthouse, there are there's at least one and usually two of these ancestor spirit portraits. Like if you go to Zim's, there's one in their window. There's uh, two on Cheapside. So that's a really good place to go and see them. Uh, Zim's is the uh, restaurant, uh, Weta Michael's restaurant in, in the courthouse. Uh, the Visit Lex office is all, also there. Mm-hmm. And we want to mention other supporters that you've had. And I don't know if I, I have a full list of all of them. Uh, Wells Fargo has been a, a, a partner. Uh, Visit Lex, um, Jackson Kelly, uh, James Voyle, um, the National Endowment for the Arts through the Kentucky uh, Arts Council, uh, Kentucky Humanities has contributed, uh, the American Association for State and Local History, um, CODA Works, I'm not familiar with, with that uh, group. So CODA Works is um, really a public art organization. Hmm. And um, last year when COVID hit, I got this email from CodaWorks and they said, you should apply for this international award. I'm like, we're really not an art project, we're a spirit project. And she said, no, you really are an art project. You should apply for this award. And I'm like, I just don't know. So anyway, they ended up like really writing the proposal and we end up winning an award. For, I mean, it's just ridiculous, and it never would have happened if it hadn't been for COVID. But anyway, as a result of Coda Works, um, we're now working. We're presenting to the um, National AIA through the Architects Foundation, and we um, and we're doing a whole webinar on how architects can affect the built environment through utilizing the project. So, which is like actually pretty amazing. So you should also of our supporters, Lexington Public Library has been incredible and EOP Architects and um, Gamify, who um, it's Michael Bear that's doing our augmented reality. Michael Priestley, who am I missing, Marshall? Um, Linda Vogel-Kaplan has been one of our supporters. Um, Did we already say visit Lex? Yeah, yeah, we did. Okay, we love well, then, them. Yeah. yeah, oh, absolutely. Marshall, yeah. um, this woman um, is a force of nature, isn't she? Oh, beyond a shadow of a doubt. 
You know, the first time uh, we spoke about this, honestly, it was a much smaller footprint, wasn't it, Marjorie? And I said the first thing to her is that you need a fundraiser. You need a development director. <laughs> I, I said, how many, yeah. <laughs> how many people are you working with? And she said, well, right now it's just me. <laughs> but she had these wonderful grand plans. And um, so you still need a development director. That's wonderful, you know? Yes, for 100%. And we would, we would welcome one. Um, but here's the thing. I don't think I said this, but we were talking with Chester Grundy one day. And he said, when you summon the ancestors, they respond. And it, I am not really a force of nature. I, I, I don't even feel like it's me. Um, so that's it. I mean, this, this is, this is, I have no doubts about it. And like through this whole year of COVID, everything that's happened, this project has lifted me. And that's the strange thing about it is that you would never imagine how much it would give you, even if you're taking nothing from it. Do you see? So, um, it's, it's a great honor. That's what's so strange. And besides being a force of nature, she's a humble force of nature, right, Marshall? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and and just to add to that, whenever you're talking about a project such as this, uh, which you know, I I say that loosely because I don't know any other project like this one. <laughs> you're you're talking uh, in many aspects about you know civic engagement and things that have to do with society, and part of that sharing is sharing the vision. And so as we share the vision, as we have shared the vision with different partners and, and folks that we are becoming involved with, one thing that I can say, you know, to piggyback off of your comment, she is a force of nature, um, has been to, to watch how adamantly she has defended uh, the vision of this project and the ultimate goal. Um, you know, there are a lot of emotions that stem from a lot of the history that we talk about. And one of the goals or one of the conduits of change has been for this to be a pull versus push methodology, to have art that intrigues the change and intrigues the curiosity that will allow change to occur. Uh, just a simple example, the combination of the um, national anthem and the Negro national anthem or African-American national anthem, that begs a question to many children, why is there two anthems? Mm -hmm. That's, mm -hmm. you know, so sparking that type of curiosity that can lead to um, positive discussions uh, is crucial. Well, and not only that, because this is what I really think. I think that the, that integration of anthems, um, of course, you know, I wanted to go to the Super Bowl. But um, this, I mean, the whole kneeling issue, I think that we have theoretically a key to, to, to solve certain situations in doing. Mm -hmm. Well, it, it does open up um, interesting uh, dialogue, fascinating questions, and, I, and, and those will continue. Uh, again, listeners, June 26th is the date. Uh, not to be missed at the uh, the ballpark, the Legends Ballpark, um, out on uh, out Broadway, and um, uh, to Marjorie Guyon and, and Marshall Fields joining us today. Thank you so much. Uh, continued success and good luck with the project. Uh, we will uh, support you and 
and watch you as it continues to grow uh, beyond the state lines and, and to take it to the world. Thank you for being with us. Thank you. Thank you, Bill. Think Humanities is a podcast from Kentucky Humanities, where we have been telling Kentucky's story for 49 years. Think Humanities is available at kyhumanities.org, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Join us next week for a new episode of Think Humanities. 